what I'm going to talk about today is the second in this series I'm calling Faith Builders. And the purpose of this series is to put in foundations into you so that you can do the business of the kingdom. In, in whatever way that you're called to do the business of the kingdom. And I want you to think when, I, when we're doing this series, because the videos, the daily videos, so if, you, if you're on our email list, from 7 a.m. tomorrow, you will get daily videos six days a week, not Sundays, because we don't want to distract you from coming here, but six days a week, you'll get videos, for, and there'll be 40 of them. And they're coming out, and they're going to cover a lot of the foundational areas that enable us to step into all that God has provided through Christ's victory on the cross. And so that's kind of exciting. And uh, I love doing these little videos because I think they, 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 they reach quite wide. They reach much wider than we can actually do as an individual church on a Sunday morning. So that, that's, that's exciting to see that. But what I want you to really get a hold of is, you know, some people have this idea of ministry. And the, and the job of a a pastor or a, a teacher or an evangelist or a prophet or an apostle is to equip the body of Christ for the works of ministry until people reach the stature of Christ. Now, here's, here's how that works. And I'm already in trouble because I haven't looked at my notes. So, but the, here's how that works. We reach the full stature of Christ when people see us and instead of seeing ordinary people, they see the supernatural body of Christ. And so we're here to equip that. And, and we use words and terms around that, like discipleship. The trouble with using the term discipleship is we've made it something that it wasn't. So we use the term di discipleship, and it translates in our heads to Bible study or going on a course. And, and that's what we have in mind. But what Jesus had in mind when he used that word and what the apostles had in mind when they used that word was being trained to do the business. And even then, we make another leap, which we need to unravel in our brains, which is that ministry, that the works of ministry, are about what we do in here. And that's wrong. What we do in here is a snapshot or a small part of particular types of ministry. So we aspire, you know, we go, I feel I'm called to ministry. And it's like something special. No, guys, you are all called to ministry. In fact, you're told to do ministry. It's not a calling, it's a command that you're commanded to minister. And, and so when we, think, when we aspire and, and at the height of our aspiration is to be on worship team or PA team or perhaps one day, you know, I'll get to preach at the front and all that sort of stuff. That's just a tiny little piece of ministry. Ministry is meant to take place out there, not, and it's not necessarily about what happens in here. In here is a celebration of what happens in, uh, out there and should be a training for what happens out there, not an end in itself. And, and, and we need to kind of unravel that a little bit in our minds where, where church has become an end in itself. Church is fantastic. I love church, but when it's an end in itself, it's a dead end. And, and we need to make it alive, open, where we, we live out in the 110 hours a week when we're not at church and we're not asleep, people see Christ in us as individuals. 
just as much as they would, if, or even more so than they would if they walked here on a Sunday morning. And so that's, that's kind of what, where we're coming in, in in this series. That's kind of the underpinning idea. So I want you to think of it, and I want you to think of it all as an enabling to be representatives of Christ. When somebody encounters you, you we are called to represent Christ to that person. Not in terms of, you know, hitting them full on with, like, information and, and some pre-prepared presentation. But when they encounter us, it should be like an encounter with Jesus. That's what he means when it says to the full stature of Christ. And so we, we, that's what we're aiming for. And that's what I believe that God is, is doing and is already starting to do in our nation. And uh, I want to be part of that. And I want you guys to all be part of that. And to do that, we're going to have to overcome a few things. And to do that, we're going to have to realize that we can actually have setbacks and disappointments, and yet we can still see the, the, the thing we're aiming for in the end. Because it's not just about us. We have an enemy who wants to stop that happening. He's, he's not interested in this country getting transformed. He's not interested in your street getting transformed. What he's interested in is stopping it being transformed, stopping lives being touched by Christ. And so he, he's working away in order to do that. And all the time he's bombarding us with all sorts of stuff to try and convince us we can't do it. It's all too difficult. But more to the point, he's trying to convince us and, and, he, and he's feeding us stuff that works against faith that works against the, the, the manifestation of Christ coming out of us. And that's why, uh, you know, Paul tells us to renew our minds. Why? Because they need changing. He wouldn't tell us to renew our minds if we were okay. So if you, and, and renewing our minds actually takes an investment on our part. And that's where I kind of got to last week. What I said last week, I was talking about how we need the word of God to renew our minds. And we will only reap from something if we value what we are trying to reap from. So we need to have in our value system. So if I asked everybody here, you know, is the word of God important and valuable and so on? We'd all go, yes, because, you know, that's, that's the answer you've learned, isn't it? You go, yes. But more, the, the, the real question is, where is your investment in reality? Because you reap from what you value. And so if we value a, a, a whole load of other things, that's what we reap from. And that's not they're not necessarily bad things, but they're not necessarily things that will enable us to, to step into the things of the kingdom. And... Uh, so I wanna, what I want to get on to today is who you are. I want to remind you who you are. So I'm going to do some fairly basic stuff and then make it a little bit more meaty, okay? If you've never heard this stuff before, then this will be quite meaty at the start. But a lot of you, I know you, you have heard this. So I'm going to start 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And uh, it's kind of, you know, like these, when you read Paul's letters, there's like all this list at the end and you get all these throwaways and thank so-and-so for this and thank so-and-so for that and, you know, I love, I love that about you, etc. And in right in the middle of this, this letter to the, uh, the Thessalonians, he says this right at the end, 
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what a lot of you already know. You already know that you are a three-part being. Body, soul, and spirit. So, before you were a believer, you had a body. And you had a soul. The soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. It's the, the bit that you regard most of the time as what goes on in your head. And how you react to things and your belief systems about things. And that, that soul has been shaped by all your experiences... All your, you know, like the family you were born in, the school you went to, how people treated you, what happened to you along the way. And that soul gets shaped by all that. And when you get born again, you get a brand new spirit. That's the part of you that is born again. When Jesus said, you must be born again, he was talking about being born again in your spirit. And your spirit is um, perfect. Ephesians 4.24 tells us that it was created in righteousness and true holiness. It's perfect. And it was then sealed. That means uh, that it was approved by God and it's not going to be affected. It's, it's kind of closed off until God opens it again at the day of our redemption, when we get our new bodies and all the rest of it. So it's, it's untouchable. And the, that spirit is one with your spirit. We all know, don't we, that, you know, that there's something more to us than just like being a basically living computer. That we know that we have a personality, that we, are, that we have a, a being, that we're, we're all different from each other. That's our spirit. But what, for a born again believer, our spirit is one, totally one, intermeshed with the spirit of God. And Paul talks about that in Galatians. He says... I, that's my, that person that I was before I became a believer, has been crucified with Christ, and now it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith, or faith in, but the better translation is the faith, the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what Paul is saying is, I am no longer who I was before I became a believer. I don't have to function anymore like I did before I became a believer. Why? Because that person I was before that is dead. And there's something new come along, and that new that's come along is a born-again believer. Christ has come to live in me. The Spirit of Christ lives in me. Now, here's the thing, and I talked about it last week. A lot of us have heard these things over and over again. And we, we know things like we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And um, things like you've been given everything you need for life and godliness. And we know that. And yet our problem isn't whether that is true or not or whether we know it or not. Our problem is understanding how we make a withdrawal. It's like a, it's like a bank account. And you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't know the PIN number when you stick your card in the slot, nothing comes out. And... This, this process that, that, of, of, that, that God is doing in each of us is to, to show us how to make the withdrawals, how to get this to work for us. And 
the first stage of getting it work, to work for us is we've got to realize that, that when we were born again, we, we, we've got all sorts of baggage in our soul, that mind, spirit, and emotions. Do you want to know what you look like? Here's, I'm going to show you in diagram form what you look like. So can you put that diagram up? That's what you look like. You might not have seen that in the mirror recently. You know, when you went in front of the mirror, it was the same old, same old, bit of like gray hair here and there, bit of, you know, bit of touch up, bit of, you know, like spot where you don't want it to be, you know, pimple where you don't want that to be, a bit over out in the sunshine, you know, all those sort of things. But that is actually what you look like. That's how the Bible describes you. And the point of being uh, reaching the full stature of Christ is that bit in the middle, the spirit has to be seen consistently outside. That's, that's when we represent Christ to the world. So we want to get that out. And um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, says this. Again, it's a verse that a lot of you will know. Um, I'll read it from uh, my version first, and then I'll read you the. I'll, I'll move on to the amplified. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And then he goes and says, "All things of God is reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation." So. God reconciled us to him, and he's given us the ministry of reconciling those who don't yet know him to him. And that reconciliation isn't just about being saved, it's about coming in so that they start to look like the kingdom. So you reconcile sickness to health, you reconcile poverty to provision, you reconcile bondage to freedom, and that's the ministry we are given. So when he says that the church is meant, to, that, and the, the apostles, teachers, evangelists, all the rest of it, are meant to um, equip people for the works of ministry, that's what he's talking about. Nothing to do with are you on the welcome team. Great if you're on the welcome team. Great if you do kids. Fantastic. You, everybody should be doing something. But that's not the whole of what it is. It's a small part. We've unfortunately made it the big part, and it needs to be the small part, because ministry is out there, because the ministry Jesus is talking about is reconciling what is not reconciled to him to here. And that can be, you know, not just those things I've talked about, it's reconciling the systems that are out there to here. The, the way society thinks to the way the kingdom thinks. And we all have our parts to play in that. And so, here's the thing I, I really wanted you to think about. When you look like that, you are a born-again believer. A person who's not yet reconciled to Christ doesn't look like that. They don't have Christ's spirit alive within them. Here's the thing, even though you look like that, you don't have to operate from that bit in the middle because you have free will. So born-again believers have a real choice about operating from the flesh or from the spirit. 
And here's what I want to tell you. Your flesh doesn't look too good. My flesh doesn't look too good. My flesh can look not very different from what the world says and what the world looks like. And the, the challenge to us as believers is to live not from our flesh, but from our spirit. And honestly, people can tell the difference. Unbelievers can tell the difference between whether you're in the flesh or you're in the spirit. When you're in the flesh, they're really comfortable and you look exactly like them. In fact, you look worse than them because they're not hypocrites. You are. Okay, strong word, but true. But when you're in the spirit, they can tell the difference. Why? Because you are capable of things that a mere human being is not capable of. Because you are a new creation. Paul says in one of his letters, stop acting like mere human beings because you're not. And, and we need to start to understand this and, and, and start uh, really taking seriously that we are, about uh, we are about being people who walk from our spirit. And that means connecting to the spirit of God a lot more, connecting to the word of God a lot more, and then living it out, rather than just being shaped and molded by everything life fires at you. You cannot stop life firing stuff at you. You can do things, you could switch off your TV, you could put like blinkers on when you go down the street, but I guarantee you, you will still be having stuff pumped at you 24-7, trying to tell you all the things you need to be successful in life and somebody trying to sell something to you and sell an image, sell a product, sell something, sell a philosophy, sell an idea, sell their own opinion of what the world's meant to look like. And that will not stop coming and therefore we can't be passive about learning to walk from our spirit. Amen? Amen. Okay, so first off, I just want you to take a little pause and I want you to do a heart resolution. I am not going to be passive about this walking from my spirit. Okay? Let me tell you a little story about how that kind of worked for me. Because, I, I, you know, you, you kind of understand things in retrospect often. And uh, I remember when I first became a believer, I was a teenager. Um, and I was a teenager who'd got, mixed up with some people, friends, cousins, whatever, who weren't too cool. In, in, you know, they thought they were cool. I thought they were cool. I thought I was cool. But we were into some bad stuff. And I, I, got, I got saved by going along to a, a church youth group because I liked a girl there. And it wasn't Cheryl. Cheryl wouldn't have liked me at that time. And she didn't. <laughs> um, but... What happened was that, I, you know, I, I, was, I was one of these kids that I was always in fights at school. I was always getting threatened with suspension and all that sort of stuff. And, I, you know, I, I have to tell you, most of my fights in my mind were entirely justified. A lot of them weren't about me. They were about somebody that I was trying to help or look after or I thought was being picked on, so I stood in because... You know, I, I, was this, I was this big at the age of 14. Not, not that way, but that way. <laughs> and, and then I stopped growing. So at 14, 13, 14, I was one of the big kids. 
And, and unfortunately, it kind of like, this, somebody put something on there and it never got any further. <laughs> but, so I used to stick up for it, but I was always in fights. And, but one of the things that, this is my first memory of Christ doing something in my life apart from being saved. And it was probably, I guess, about two, three months on from when I'd given my life to Christ. And somebody came along to me and they said, what has happened? And I hadn't noticed. And here's what had happened. I used to um, punctuate my sentences because I didn't bother about grammar because why do you need grammar when you can use swear words? And so I used to punctuate my sentences with swear words because that was cool to do that at that time when you were running with the kids that I was running with. And then two, three months in, somebody came along and said, what happened? And I said, what do you mean what happened? And they said, well, why, why do you not swear? And I thought, I really don't, do I? I stopped. And it was like kind of a shock because God had done that because I, I'd been reading his word and trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and he did it. And because I was engaging with my spirit and not with what I'd engaged with before. And, and God can do that in all our lives and that's what he's doing constantly in your life because he's shaping you and, and, and pre the, the, there's a spirit pressure in you that, that is shaping you towards Christ. And there's a world pressure that is trying to shape you towards the world and towards the things of the enemy. And his ideas, his philosophies, his beliefs. And, and for a believer, when we choose to walk in the spirit, we apply a, bit, a bigger pressure because the spirit is stronger. But we have to choose to engage. Engage with the things of the spirit. Are you still with me? Now, most people, you know, I stand here and I go, well, you know, I've told, I've told everybody all that before and it's all kind of basic. Here's the really shocking thing. When I do that, this, this talk somewhere else, absolutely nobody's heard it. People don't know that they look like that diagram I put up. They don't know this is how the things work. They don't know about renewing the mind. They don't know about walking by the spirit and not by the flesh. And that produces something which is really interesting. It's called a stuck Christian. Because you cannot change if you don't understand what the pin number is to get you to change. And so it's so, it's so important. So it, for some of you, that's like a basic refresher. For so, maybe one of two of you, you've never heard it before. But it's so important because we always have the opportunity to walk by the flesh. And you can see that pressure of walking by the flesh within the church in the UK. Because the church in the UK is giving in and bending to every ungodly, unbiblical principle one by one. And it needs to stop. And the reason it is doing that is not that we are not dealing with saved people in the church. It's the fact that they are walking by the flesh and pleasing the flesh and thereby pleasing the world. And yet we need to walk by our spirit. And when we walk by our spirit, we walk by the things of God. We walk by the things of the kingdom and people start to see God. For something to happen 
in your life and through your life, you need to become God inside minded. God inside minded. You know, um, again, a lot of you will have heard that, but you can tell for most people whether they believe that or not. Because you can tell it when they pray and when they talk to you. You can tell because of the words they use, whether they actually believe that, that God lives inside them or not. You can tell whether they believe that Christ has given them everything they need for life and godliness. And so there's a difference between the questions you can ask people. Do you believe Christ has given you everything you need for life and godliness? Yeah. Well, that's 2 Peter 1, 3. And, and we know that because Mark read that last week and he told us, so that must be right. Uh, do you know that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing? Ephesians 1, 3. Yeah, I know that. How do you know that? Well, I've heard it lots of times. And so we've all got this accumulated thing that we know is real. But, you know, that we know the answers. But how can you tell what you really believe? You listen to what the person says and particularly what they pray. And so you go like, you know, what do we, what do we need to, um, you, you know, somebody will come with a problem and they'll go, I've been praying and I've been praying and I've been just trying to get God to move and I've been bombarding heaven and it seems like God's not hearing me and, you know, I, I, I need him to, to do this. And, uh, you know, I've been crying out for him and I've been trying to sort my life out and I've been trying to please him and maybe it's because I did this when I was 12. Maybe it's gone, this happened when I was 15. Maybe, maybe he loves other people more than me. I'm not as gifted as so-and-so. And we get all this stuff come out. And yet if you say, does Christ, the Spirit of Christ live in you, have you been given everything you need for life and godliness? You say yes. But everything that's coming out of your mouth and everything you pray is saying no. And that's how you can tell what you really believe. And that, that's how we can tell what the church believes. The, 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 the organized church wouldn't say half the things it did if stuff got out of its head and their hearts looked more like Christ's heart. Because then we'd start trying to please the world a lot less and instead representing Christ to the world so that the world could change. And, and, it, and it kind of works like that. So to do that, we have to become God inside-minded. And I can only start with you guys. So that's where we, that's the tough look. You get me. Um, and, and we have to learn to walk by our spirit and not by our flesh. Because if the world sees our flesh, it's easy to discount. You know, the, the biggest thing, I, I've never managed to get my mum to listen clearly to what Christ means to me. It's not that I haven't tried. I've tried like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And Shell's tried hundreds and hundreds of times. And it always comes back to this. Well, I believe there's a God, but there's a lot of hypocrites in church. What's she seen? She's seen church living by its flesh. Not that the people aren't saved, but that they're living by their flesh and not by the spirit. And that is a very poisonous thing for the world to see. A very healthy thing to, for the world to see is a people living by the Spirit. Kind of not going in the same way as I planned, but this, this is okay. So how do you know what you look like apart from I put a diagram up there? Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 16. 
John chapter 1, verse 16 says, um, says this. Let me read it. Of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Oh, and grace for grace. It depends which way, which version you use. So, this is John telling us who we are. Of his fullness, we have received. What tense is that? Past tense. How did we receive it? By grace. It's a gift. Yeah? So, this is what we are. This is what John's saying. Of his fullness, we've already received. Now, here's a question. See if you've been listening. Where's that fullness? In us, yeah? Where, where specifically in us? In our spirit. Of his fullness, we have received grace for grace. We, we, we've got it by grace. And that's who you are. Now, how do you know who you are? I've just told you who you are, but how, would you, how are you going to get used to seeing who you are? Let me put this in, in the natural. You have not seen ever what you look like. For instance, Bucky, you have never seen your face. Mark has done something you have never done because Mark has seen your face and you never have. So how do you know what you look like? We all know what you look like, but how do you know what you look like? Pardon? From a mirror. It's the only way you get to know what you look like. And, you know, mirrors don't lie. Mirrors show all the good bits, they show the zits. Walking in the flesh and, it, and, and just like calling yourself a Christian, it kind of covers the zits up, but they're still there. It doesn't cure them. So you... Here's what happens with the mirror. It exposes things, but it also shows you things. So if that's what happens in the natural, if you find out what you look like in the natural by looking in the mirror, how would you find out what you look like in a supernatural? You go to Ghostbusters. <laughs> no. In a mirror. So we need to find a mirror, don't we? that tells us who we are and what we look like. What's that mirror? The Word of God. This is your mirror. This tells you who you are and what you look like. It doesn't tell you who you are and what you look like in your flesh. Why? Because that's the bit that's supposed to be dead. It tells you who you are in your spirit. It tells you the things the flesh does why does it do that? You know, people read these and, and, and the works of the flesh are this, this, this and this. And it's all like a bad list, isn't it? Why did they put that in? Because they put it in for one reason, one, one reason only. Here's the reason it's not there. That list of things is not there so you can beat up the person sat next to you with that list of things and tell them all their shortcomings. That list is there so that when you personally look in the mirror, you go, I recognize I'm doing some of that stuff, and that's the flesh. That's not me. 
I'm disappointed in myself that I walked that way because I don't have to walk that way because I am of the Spirit. So right now, I recognize that that's what's showing out. And I'm now going to choose to walk by my Spirit because that will correct it. That will change it. So I walk by my Spirit. And, and the mirror shows us who we are. You can't see who you are with your physical eyes. The world can't see who you are with their physical eyes. They can see what you're manifesting. They can see whether you're manifesting the flesh or manifesting the spirit. They can see whether you're operating from unrenewed bits of your soul or from your spirit. They can see that. For me, you know, I, I was sharing this last week. When I read a, a verse in the Bible, one of the things that I do, and it, and it really challenges me, is I'll look at that verse and I'll go, that says I've got everything I need for life and godliness. So that's, that's, that's the first. Another one, you know, that of his fullness we have all received. And I'm going, I'm just not seeing that in me. Now, I've got a, I've got a choice. Do I go, oh, it must not be true. Well, no. Do I go, I can't have it. No, because it says I've got it. So I then have to allow my heart to be challenged by the fact that I'm not seeing it on the outside of me. I'm not seeing it come through in my life. And, and, and how do I respond to that challenge? I respond to that challenge by going to God, listening to what his spirit explains to me, why I'm not seeing that. And I go to the word of God and remind myself who I am and what I should be seeing. And I let the two together create a reaction, word and spirit together, create a reaction in me that changes my heart and shapes my heart. And then I change on the outside. But the first change has to come by changing in my heart. And so, you know, one of the things that, I'll, I'll share this little story with you. Because I, I, I want us to understand how little mind shifts really help us. Um, and I, and to do that, you know, I'm, I'm trying in this series to be kind of blatantly honest about some of the things where I need to let God shape my heart more. But here's the thing. I, uh, one of the big things that I'm passionate about is, is seeing the miraculous. That's why faith life came into existence, because we were seeing some of the miraculous, and, and, and people didn't want that where we were. That's why faith life came into existence. So it's kind of a core value to us. And at, and at various times, we, we press forward and fallen back, press forward and fallen back. But along that journey, you accumulate a lot of reasons in your head about why God's word isn't working in your life. And you, you establish in your head excuses for why you're not seeing the things that the word says are yours. And, and they're, they're good excuses. So when you, when you get something like healing, uh, you can have a whole range of things why people aren't healed. And as I said last week, bottom line, the biggest reason that somebody might not be healed in this church would be me. Not the person, me. 
because I'm the one responsible for this group of people and training you guys and, and, and living it out myself as a, as, a, as a role model. That's the idea, isn't it? That's what apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, as a pastors are supposed to do. Now, here's the thing. So I now have to, rather than make excuses for what's going on in my heart, I now have to allow myself to be challenged. Why am I, what, what is it in me that is not allowing me to see what is mine? What is it in me that is not allowing me to make that withdrawal from I have everything I need for life and godliness? What is it, what is it going on in me? What am I believing that is going to, that is stopping me from um, that place where I am showing that of the fullness of Christ I have received by grace. What, what is it that's showing that? And so I have to allow myself to be challenged. So if we are to see revival in this land and, and, and a move of God like I've been talking about, we all have to allow ourselves to be challenged at that sort of level, that heart level. Because the alternative is we just carry on as we are and we don't see anything. So I know which one I want. I want to see more and more of the things of God. And there's disappointments and there's, there's all sorts of stuff along that way and there's, there's battles that we'll lose because sometimes the enemy wins. But you, don't, you can win a battle, but you don't have to win the war. And here's the thing about losing a battle. God's word says that when the enemy steals, seven times he's coming back. So we have to enforce that seven times he's coming back. That fruitfulness is coming back. So let me just illustrate this little mind shift with a, with a bit, bit of a testimony. So I guess it was about six, nine months ago, I really started uh, sensing God talking to me about revisiting some of the things that I hadn't looked at for quite a long time. And... I've already told you one of those this morning because it's this verse. I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live by the son of, uh, I, the life I now live, I live by the faith of Christ who loved me, oh, my mind's gone, who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay. So I'm looking at that and I'm going, okay, I've been crucified with Christ. So my old man is dead. That person I was before I became a Christian is dead. So I'm something different to what I was when I was 14. And that verse that we looked at from Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17, tells me that that is in constant operation in my life to make all things new. I'm constantly being made new. So... Even if I, I was in my flesh yesterday, it, the, the spirit is working to make me new today. Anyway, none of that was kind of what I got, because that, that's all good stuff. But here's, here's what happened. I was, I was going through this process, and I was going, so I have Christ in me. I have Christ in me. I have the spirit of Christ in me. And he's one with my spirit. And... I'm going, but I know that. I've known that for like 20 years. And what, what is it that's drawing my attention here? Because I really sensed the Holy Spirit was saying something to me. 
and going, okay, I know I have Christ in me. And then I just sense this little, like, you know, Holy Spirit prompt. And it goes, you're not paying attention to what that verse says. You have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Here's the mirror. It's not that you have Christ in you. It's that I am Christ in me. It's a really tiny little shift. Not that I have Christ in, in me. It's I am Christ in me. My old person doesn't exist in me anymore. The reality that the mirror tells me is I am Christ in me. That's my nature. That is my being. I am inseparable from saying, you see, if you have something, you can lose something. If you have something, you can give it away. If you have something, you can mess it up. I don't have Christ in me. I am Christ in me. That's my nature. Now, what difference does that make? Because that's a little tiny shift. And you're all like going, still haven't got what Mark's saying. Even if I've got what Mark's saying, struggling with it myself. Okay, it's a little tiny shift. Here's the difference it makes. About five, six weeks ago, and I've shared, we've shared this testimony, so it's, it's not a new testimony. Five, five six weeks ago, what I'm going to do now is explain to you how it worked. Five, six weeks ago, we went, Joel and I, we were talking at a conference um, in Lytham. And this lady came forward and she was blind in one eye. She had all sorts of other medical complications. And here's the difference it made. Instead of thinking, I need to pray and believe for her to be healed, what then went through my mind was this. I need to release Christ in me. So I'm not praying for God to do something or trying to get him to work through me. I'm trying to release that life that is already in me. And we release that life by acknowledging it's there and commanding it to be released. So that's what we did. And, and kind of nothing happened there and then. But as I shared with you a few weeks ago, uh, maybe five, six days later, she sent us a, a message through the church office and through um, Facebook Messenger that, that said that um, that night she recovered her sight totally and that she'd been actually along to the doctors who were treating her for all the other medical conditions and they'd, they'd examined her and acknowledged that her sight was completely recovered, although they couldn't understand how that had happened because the, the condition she's got is constant deterioration. And so it's just these little mind shifts that enable us to live from our spirit instead of living from our flesh. And that, that is so powerful. Let me warn you, because I'm just going to finish with this. Let me warn you what will stop you getting those little mind shifts. Because I, I've heard this quite a number of times over my faith life life and, and before that. 
is, well, I know that. I already know that. I, I, I don't need any more scripture. I don't need to read my Bible because I've memorized all the verses about healing, all the verses about prosperity, all the verses about freedom. I've made, memorized some favorite verses and I've got posters all around my bedroom. So I don't need to listen anymore. And, you know, I can just, I don't, I don't need to come to church because I don't need any more sermons, don't need to hear anything anymore. And people, like, over the years, there's been a constant stream of people who've said, I don't need any more Bible, I just need mystical experiences or to, to, to step over into the spirit realm. And I just need experience because I've got all the word I need. And, and they would prove it to me, they quote all these verses. What they didn't understand was the word isn't something that you memorize. The word is a living, active thing that transforms you. And the only way that the word living and active transforms you is for you to put it in new. And let the Holy Spirit take it and show you new stuff. I, Galatians 2.20, that I am, you know, I've been crucified with Christ, is probably... It will either be the most ver- the verse I have most quoted in the 12 years of faith life or John 10, 10 is. But it's one of those two verses. The number of times I've quoted it, the number of times I've taught Galatians, the number of times I've read Galatians, and yet God had something new for me in that verse that enables somebody to get their sight back. We cannot afford to be arrogant thinking we know things because it's in here. Because if it hasn't shaped what's in here, it won't come out. And it, and it's got to shape what's in here so it can come out. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So I want to I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you that God doesn't need a new scripture to show you a new thing. So if you've read your Bible from cover to cover and you go and there's nothing new in there for me, you're wrong because He doesn't need a new scripture to show you a new thing. God can always show you a new thing through a scripture you've read hundreds and hundreds of times. Because the word is alive. And the Holy Spirit can take the word and he can write it on your heart. Here's here's something else you need to know. The fact that that he's written that on my heart won't make any difference to you until he writes it on your heart. Because right now, me saying, I am Christ in me, is registered in your head, but you now need to let the Holy Spirit minister that to your heart. Because that's what renewing is and I know we I point at physical heart your heart is that bit where the spirit and your soul hit each other and and that's where transformation takes place and and we have to allow the things of the word of God and the spirit to shape that point and so I want to encourage you to to let God shape your heart Can I, can I have the worship team back up? You know, it's really easy when uh, you go into work tomorrow or when you watch the news or all those sort of things, it's really easy to think that the church can't make a difference because it's so small compared to the rest of the population now. We We have a bit of a strange view of church in Cambridge because Cambridge is actually a very high church going percentage compared to most of the UK, virtually all of the UK. So we have a a slightly different church scene that we think is the norm. But it's not. And we can think, well, 
The, the church-going percent population, what? Three to five percent. Of those three to five percent, maybe it's the three that are born again. Because there's people who go to church because they go to church. And we think, well, that's not enough. But if we can get hold of I am Christ in me, there is more than enough to change the whole of East Anglia in this bit. And you guys, you can have the Midlands, and you guys can have the North, and then we'll have a few missionaries we send to strange places. Cumbria and Cornwall. <laughs> you know, those sort of places that would be independent if they could. <laughs> and, this, you know, in Cumbria, they don't like me. And we're there in a few weeks. You know, we, we've got our passport. We can get over the border at Kendall. We can get in. But there's more than enough potential to change things. The way things will change is when we represent Christ to others. And we represent Christ to others when we live by our spirit and not by our flesh. Amen? Let's stand.